Hello, and welcome to our follow-up episode of Walking to Retirement with a Plan podcast. In this episode, we will talk about lifestyle retirement planning. I'm your host, George Ning, and with me today are my colleagues, Andrea Hadlington and Robin McDonald, two of my business development colleagues with OTIP. We also have Ingrid Schiller, manager of our Advantage program, who will be here at the end of this episode to discuss the benefit of the Advantage Affinity program. This is the leading affinity program for the education community in Ontario. So welcome back, Andrea and Robin, and thank you for participating in this podcast. Hi, it's nice to be here again. Uh, Hi, George. Uh, Great to be back. Great. I just want to remind our listeners that OTIP is offering live webinars, so please feel free to attend one of our scheduled live broadcasts by reserving online on our website at www.otip.com forward slash RTIP. Also, I want to remind that you can download a free copy of the retirement guide on the OTIP website. It can be found at www.otip.com forward slash RTIP dash retirement. If you have any questions about our health, dental, and travel plans, you can call into our life and living benefits line at 1-800-267-6847. Ladies and gentlemen, you worked hard all your life for this one moment, retirement. Now that it's around the corner, have you thought of what you will do next with the 30 or more years you have in retirement? Are you a homebody, social butterfly, you have hobbies, you want to volunteer in your community, or do you want to travel the world once we are permitted to? Having worked in the retirement industry for over 20 years, I can tell you that some people look forward to retirement and some, eh, not so much. Their work has always been their purpose in life. And now that it seems that purpose is being taken away from them. That's why it is important to start planning a few years ahead, just so you can get in the right mindset and create a new purpose. In this podcast, we will address the topic of what is lifestyle retirement planning and how you can better prepare for the next stage of your life. I will now pass the mic to Andrea. So Robin, retirement has changed a lot in the last uh, 20 years, the last generation or so. Can you talk to our audience about um, this specifically before we get started? Uh, Yes, Andrea, thanks. Uh, Well, it sure has changed. You know, you think back to your own parents' retirement, for example, perhaps both of your parents worked. And, and both experienced the formal process of withdrawing from their jobs. Likely, it was when they turned 65, when that, their own retirement event occurred, because at that time, it was very common for people to retire to work to 65. And it was mandated at that time. Of course, that isn't the case today. You know, the other thing I can I remember my parents speaking about was somebody they knew. Usually it was a man who retired at 65, and then not too long afterwards, he died. He passed away. How sad. So we're fortunate today that we've got, had, we've got great improvements in life expectancy. In fact, the Ontario Teachers Pension Plan states that the average number of years spent collecting pension is now 32. Well, think about it. How many years did most education employees work? prior to retirement age, you know, was it 32? Often not. As well, the average age when an education employee retires is now age 59. So 
Baby boomers are enjoying a longer, healthier retirement than their parents. They're also more active than generations before them and more apt to become involved in numerous activities and interests in retirement. So a lot of people are, you know, using that terminology, retirement planning, and a lot of that has to do with the financial side of it. But let's talk about lifestyle retirement planning. What does that actually mean? That's a good question. So lifestyle retirement planning is intended to answer the question, what are you going to do with your time now that you're retired? And it may sound like a simple question and you may be thinking, well, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to do more painting, more golfing, more travel, etc. You know, don't worry about me. I'm going to be busy. Well, whatever your specific occupation is, uh, it can swallow up to upwards to, to 2000 hours per month of your time. And that's quite a lot of time now that you're going to, it's freed up all of a sudden in retirement. Are you going to be doing those pastimes, you know, 2000 hours per month? So with that much extra time, you have a wonderful opportunity to start doing the things you want to do on your terms. So what and how you use your time when you retire is what lifestyle retirement planning is all about. And one of the um, questions people might be asking out there, our listeners is, okay, so OTIP, we're the insurance people. So why are we presenting on the subject of lifestyle retirement planning? Uh, Good question. So, you know, retirement planning, when you Google retirement planning, uh, for example, about all that comes up is really financial planning and insurance planning. But, you know, retirement planning is more complete when done in a holistic fashion. Yes, investigating your health insurance coverage from our tip and arm is vital. And and so is talking to someone like our partners at Educators Financial Group about financial matters prior to retirement. But that's leaving out a really important step in the process. What are you going to do when you retire? So we're just providing this for food for thought for our clients. And I wonder, like, don't most people already have a good idea of what they're going to be doing? Well, true. Most people have a general idea of what they're going to be doing in retirement. And although it's not important, certain by any means, to have each day planned, most of us are just too busy working now, today, to give this much time or thought. Now, you know, in the past, we've asked general questions to our audience, what they're going to do when they retire. And of course, we hear the common responses and golf, tennis, gardening, fishing, and of course, travel. A few realities, however, unless you're planning to move to the southern southern United States or the West Coast, where the climate is more conducive to these pastimes year-round, you need some activities planned for the harsher weather as well. Now, you could plan on becoming a snowbird and exit the harsh winter months, but that's about the only way in which to pursue these activities on a regular year-round basis. And I was going to say, it's maybe not that option might not be available to everybody either. No, that's not, that's not realistic. Um, so, you know, if, if that's not possible, then the standard answers on golf, fishing, it's merely reflects some activities you plan on doing in retirement. And there's much more to retirement living than just your hobbies and sports. So Robin, we know it's important, you know, to look at financial planning uh, as a whole, right? And usually for financial planning, you'll be consulting with a financial planner to discuss all the different aspects of budgeting, if you need a will, if you need to look at your retirement planning, your investments. But who would you see for this type of lifestyle planning? 
Well, George, basically, uh, you know, we are responsible for our own lifestyle planning and obviously perhaps your spouse too, for those who are married. This is part of all the transition that takes place before you retire. Now, this is a process that evolves over time. We learn as we go in retirement. After all, there's a first time for everything. And you quickly learn what works and what doesn't work. Now, it's helpful, however, if, if your lifestyle plans are realistic and in harmony with your financial planning. And it's for this reason, your financial planner should be asking important lifestyle-related questions prior to making their recommendations. For example, if you're planning to spend three or four months out of each year down south, well, how are you gonna pay for that? Uh, where will those funds come from? You know, do you have a hobby or pastime that will require extra funding after retirement? Well, you, then you need to plan for that. Is there going to be a special trip in your future? Again, planning is required. So I would say that financial planning and lifestyle planning go hand in hand. So it'd be helpful to have some answers ready when your financial planner asks you. In your current experience, Robin, have you seen a lot of members who've had both done through a financial planner or with somebody else, or at least initiate them to think about lifestyle planning? Well, George, that's an interesting question. Quite often those in the financial field re really just go for the kill. I mean, they, 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 they bring out their charts and, and their graphs and they say, listen, uh, you know, th this fund is doing this. You should be in this investment and, and here's why, which is, which is all fine and well. But really, it, it, they ignore the, the what do you want to do with your money, with your life, with your lifestyle when you retire. So you know, if your financial planner is not asking those questions, you have to be prepared to come to the table with some answers and with some concrete idea of how you want to live. I mean, do you want to change houses, uh, downsizing, for example? Uh, is there going to be a different community that you want to move to? And then that's part, all part of lifestyle retirement planning. So, Robin, it's safe to say that for a member, it's pretty difficult to find or to obtain a full retirement lifestyle planning with a financial planner at the end of the day? That's a safe ass assessment. You know, it's in our past walk into retirement with a plan sessions where we have gone into lifestyle, we often ask people, you know, who actually has a plan for their retirement? Not just a wish list of things they want to do. And from my experience, less than 1% of the audience puts their hand up and says, yeah, I've got a plan. Now, I don't mean to suggest that a plan has to be that you're going to start your own consulting business or, or you're going to start some new venture, and which will see you on Dragon's Den trying to pitch for money. That, that's not necessarily the case. It's just that you have a well-planned out idea of activities that you want to pursue. And you know what's a good idea? Start doing those things today. Don't necessarily think, well, this is one day I'm gonna do this, one day I'm gonna do that. Starting these practice retirement activities before you retire accomplishes two things. One, you'll really decide whether you wanna do this, that, or the other thing. And two, it's gonna give you a lot more life balance today. So it's beneficial to start earlier rather than later.
Okay, Robin. So why don't we break down the basics here with some questions just to help our listeners with this process. So what changes come with retirement? Well, besides the fact that your income now comes from a variety of uh, sources, pensions and savings, uh, something more fundamental might occur. And that involves your own perception of yourself once you retire. You know, how will retirement affect you? Now, it tends to differ greatly between men and women, and this may be a generalization. However, again, years of experience in delivering lifestyle retirement planning sessions have taught me that when asked who handles the transition to retirement better, men or women, women tend to report being able to handle the transition much easier than men. In in fact, in a straw poll, it's not even close. Out of a room, say, of 50 people, you might expect to see no more than a half a dozen respondents that think that men have the edge here. The rest, by by a large margin, say that women are much more adaptable to this change. Not only that, of those who think that men are better at the transition to retirement, to the retirement phase, it's usually only men that think that. So here's the rationale. Now, this is not my opinion. This is according to many women in our seminars who have volunteered their own theories. Women usually tend to get their identity from their family. Men tend to get their identity from what they do for a living. Now, to to make my point, I usually ask for a male volunteer in the audience. That member of the audience and I have never met, so my demonstration usually works out very well. And by the way, I'm so certain of the outcome of my little demonstration that I, I probably should have put some money on it, but I never did. I then ask my volunteer if they golf or curl, play tennis. They usually have some favorite sport they partake in. I then say, well, Just imagine we've just met at the golf course, for example, and we're going to be golfing together that day. Once we get the names out of the way, I ask my volunteer, what's the next question? What's the very next question? Invariably, the answer is, well, what do you do for a living? Almost 100% of my male volunteers come up with that exact same answer. What do you do? Why that question? Why not, where are you from? Tell me about your family. Or, you know, do you like to golf and say, you know, how's your golf game? It's asked primarily between men in this type of social setting, I am told. Never have I encountered a woman in our audience that would admit to this, that this would be their very next question when meeting another woman they're about to golf with, for example. Interesting, isn't it? Yeah, and I can say just from in, within my own family, uh, when my, my mom retired from education last fall, uh, she had a very concrete plan in place of, of you know, they had already chosen where they were going to live. There was a community center um, within walking distance. There was yoga in the mornings. There was um, a bocce ball team, like all these things that she had been gearing up to were all accessible. And she had a plan. My dad, not so much. <laughs> <laughs> He's still lecturing part-time because... I think he still feels um, complete knowing that he's still um, a resource and can provide some intellectual um, value, I guess, to his, in his industry. Yeah. Uh, you know, so he's not entirely ready to be being, playing bocce ball. I think he's an AP though, <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, I, I've definitely witnessed that um, in my own family. 
you know, Andrea, this, and this may be completely anecdotal on my part, but uh, what I've noticed is that women in our seminars openly admit to being busier than their husbands. They claim to have more closer friends, a larger social circle, and hence it's easier for them to make the transition to retirement. Now, who am I to argue with that logic? Uh, I know that's true in my own household, for example. So herein lies the issue. If your self-worth is largely tied to what you do for a living, then what? Then when that thing you do for a living comes to an end, where does that leave you? You know, you can feel a little shell shocked, perhaps, and yeah. feelings feelings such as, well, I'm, I no longer have a reason to get up in the morning, or I'm no longer a, and then insert your occupation here, and I'm no longer a principal, I'm no longer a teacher, I'm no longer whatever EA. The implication is that you are no longer useful. That's simply not true. And um, that actually was going to lead me into our next question. There is what was the reason uh, behind that? Well, I, I think it, it comes back to the fact that if, if men tie their self-esteem to around what they do for a living, where women tend to have their self-esteem tied around their family, when, when your job ends, when you retire, you know, for for men, oftentimes it takes away from their feelings of self-esteem because they're no longer doing that job. But for women, th th their whole self-esteem often is not wrapped up in what they did for a living. So they have a much easier time to the transition. And that's why it's important, I, I guess, especially for men to do a little bit of planning here and say, I need some activities. You know, there's a, there's a favorite saying in lifestyle retirement planning, it's more important to retire to something than from something. My father-in-law retired two years before my mother-in-law. So he set up a routine, you know, picking up the girls after school. They didn't live too far, so he would pick them up from school and all that. And then when she retired, it was uh, it was a little rough <laughs> because she had a whole plan or schedule made for him, right? Uh, we need this done. We need this done. So for so two years, he's had it pretty good doing his own things, getting up, he can sleep in late, you know, drops her off at the train and he would drop her off at work or whatever. And then uh, he had his day to himself, but now there's somebody else you have to contend with. And for him at first, he was just like, uh, he found it rough for until they got used to it. But now they're fine. I mean, they travel three times a year. They go on cruises. They have their own little uh, group that they've been hanging out with for a while now. So they go on these group tours all over the all over the world like they go at least two trips minimum a year most of the time i i hear the following complaint from a retiree i'm too busy right and it's uh, i mean that's their own doing but it's all busy pleasure being busy not busy because i have to be busy and yeah. it, it, often it's it's them juggling their their activities the various mini activities that, that they've decided to do and they sometimes can get overwhelmed and, and sometimes people have to learn how to say no. To, yes, you know, they exactly. get that phone call. Would you be on this board? Would you be on that board? And yeah, yeah, okay, 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 okay. And then all of a sudden, you know, it feels like a job. You don't want that. Hey, you know what else comes up 
um, in conversations at some of our presentations, um, just on, on, on the side, is that a lot of people have been married and together for so long and they've worked so many hours that this, apart from vacation, this is the first time where they're actually going to be spending time together. Mm-hmm. And what are you going to talk about? And, you know, it's finding new commonalities, right? Because you're different than you were when you first met and so much has happened. Now you've got to find something, hopefully, that you can do together and still have your separate um, social lives, too, because that's important. Yeah, that's well, true. And, and, you know, it's hard to plan for that. That's sort of the surprise, mm-hmm. not surprise, the reality that sometimes comes when, when you retire. Uh, and, <laughs> and there's some literature that would uh, out there that would suggest that it's better for one spouse to retire before the other. And I think the rationale is that, you know, it gets that, that person gets into their groove and then the other person sort of joins them as opposed to two people now having to find the transition on their own. And I'm sure we'll see that this, well, the trends will differ um, generationally too um, as well, I bet. So how does one go around assessing uh, the situation and and start to figure out what they want to do in retirement? Well, let's Andrew, let's conduct a little experiment here in in our podcast. So for this, uh, our audience will need a notepad or or write on their computer. So here's what I want you to do, and you can of course pa- pause the podcast, write out a two or three sentence paragraph about who you are that's all i want you to do. write out that statement who you are and then now now put this on pause and then come back well how did you do did you find that you're largely defined by what you do for a living if so recognize that and realize that between now and whenever it is you do retire you need to change the way in which you view you it to sort of reinvent yourself One of the pitfalls I'm trying to have you avoid is that when you do retire and someone asks, well, what do you do? Your pat answer doesn't become, well, I'm a retired, and then insert your title here. I'm a retired teacher. I'm a retired principal. I'm a retired educational support person. A preferred mindset might be, well, I quit working recently, and now I'm involved in so many fun and interesting activities. I love it. So how does one start to make the shift in thinking? Well, whether male or female, you can change the perception of yourself by making positive changes today that will only aid you in your new retirement life. So remember I said having these sort of practice retirement activities, start by making a list of things you like to do or things you used to like to do, but no longer have the time to do them. With that list, then you can begin to explore different hobbies or pastimes that have always been in the back of your mind maybe improve on skills such as gardening, painting, music, or woodworking, things that you think you might want to get involved. The list gives you suggestions on how you can begin your practice retirement sessions, learning before you actually retire to expand your repertoire of non-work related activities. That's beneficial in two ways. Again, planning for the future. And as I said before, creating some much needed life balance today. And if your plan is to continue working once you finish, once you retire from the education field, then perhaps look into 
you know, market research. What, what, what new project do you want to do ahead of time? Maybe do you need to gain some new skills that will be needed for whatever it is you wish to pursue? Now, if I'm going to be retired, don't tell me that I need a schedule. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, it's, it's not a work schedule. You, you don't have to be at work at a certain time each weekday. You're going to have to make, however, some sort of life schedule, however, schedule outings to see friends, schedule time to volunteer, schedule time to get active physically, schedule time to family. You know, by treating your newfound freedom as a challenge to keep yourself organized and as busy as you want, you'll quickly adapt to the joys of being able to design your own schedule. Remember, there's, there's no more bell to tell you when you have to be here, do that, or, or meetings. You know, look, that's great. That's fantastic. Yeah, you know, I, I knew a former educator in the Waterloo area. Uh, sadly, he recently passed, and he and I were on a couple of volunteer boards together. Now, his name was Gary. I was on two boards with him, but I do know that he was on at least three other boards and he didn't become a, a volunteer right after retirement. He was a volunteer for years before he actually retired. But he knew so many people in the community at that time that he was an excellent board member because if, if we needed something done, he knew who to ask. And, you know, he was, very, he was naturally gregarious. And because of his extensive volunteer work, um, that, that gave him great joy in his life, helping other people. Now. Volunteerism may not be for you, but for him, it certainly filled a lot of time and his work in volunteerism became his new life. So Robin, I know you're not there yet, but I'm sure, you know, from talking to your buddies and Andrea, you've, you've seen some people have retired in your close proximity. Uh, Robin, what, what do you think is the best part of being retired? Well, that's easy, George. And anecdotal evidence tells me that the most common feedback from retirees is the feeling of freedom. Freedom to do what you want on your own terms, you know, within reason, of course. Everyone's situation is a little different and it entirely depends if you're married, does your spouse still work? Or if so, uh, you know, do you have, uh, are you in charge of making meals? Perhaps you're taking care of, uh, of your parents. With your free time now, the decision is entirely yours. You don't have to go to work unless, of course, you want to do something part-time. You know, in my 25 years of giving retirement seminars at OTEP, I've heard some pretty interesting stories from education members who are perhaps only a couple of months away from retirement. They're all excited, but at the same time, there's an equal mix of those who are somewhat anxious about what the adventure they're about to leap into will bring. I've also heard from the spouses of education members who attend our workshops, some of which are already retired. And they've got some wonderful stories about how they're filling their time now. And, it, and invariably, it took them, I would say, a six-month period to get into the groove of finding what their new schedule is going to be. I think the most intriguing gentleman I met through our workshops was the husband of a teacher who was retired. He had his own company. And what he did was he worked for several cruise lines and planned their, their itineraries and ports of call visits. Now, what an interesting job in, in retirement. Now, can you imagine that for that couple, the travel that they're looking forward to when they both retire? 
Perhaps you know someone who, although retired, chooses to stay employed for just the enjoyment of being connected with people on an ongoing basis. And that's a strategy many retirees subscribe to for a variety of reasons. I have a friend, for example, who works as a process server for the court system in Ontario. Before that, he worked part-time at a home improvement store after his retirement. Now, all of this is to fund his addiction to golf. But, it, you know, he loves golf. He does a lot of golf, but he does these part-time jobs to pay for the golf. So for him, you know, he's healthy and that's what he wants to do. That's also a good way not to dig into your own pension money at the end of the day, right? So if you have something like golf, which can still quite be quite costly if you're playing regularly, um, or if you want to have a membership to it, I mean, if having a part-time job to take care of that, that that's an excellent way to do it. And again, from my own experience, having worked in a, in a pension side, all my colleagues that did retire in the private side, they all went back on a few days as consultants, you know, working here and there for different firms or different brokerage firms. Um, and this way they can still share the knowledge of the industry to all the newcomers coming into, you know, into the pension world. Yeah, that that's very common. And, and now, you know, in the education field, many times uh, principals or teachers will um, put their name into the occasional pool. And now the, the rules, you know, you'll have to look at how many days you can teach uh, on an occasional basis as a retired educator. But uh, they enjoy going back to the classroom, you know, under their own terms earn a little bit of extra money. And of course, uh, different boards have different rules. You're gonna to have to research this. One other trend I've noticed, you know, about 10 years ago, we would often hear of people who wanted to teach overseas. Now, for whatever reason, and I don't know why, but uh, we haven't heard that much at our seminars that that's on people's minds now, but uh, it may be just a, a trend that was uh, very common 10 years ago, a decade ago, and now it isn't as much. But, you know, you've got to figure out that for yourself. And, and sometimes people get to that six-month stage in their retirement and say, you know, I'm sort of bored. Uh, I'll do something that I want to do on my terms. And that's fantastic. Robin, you need to tell us about the Romeo Club. Oh, the Romeo Club. All right. So I, I go to... Uh, now, I'm still working. I'm not retired. But the odd time I go to the gym and uh, I met some retirees there that were telling me I live in Hamilton. They, they told me of this really interesting club. It's Romeo stands for really old men eating out. Now, <laughs> <laughs> I love that they go to a breakfast place. I, I, I don't know. I think maybe one once a month. And, uh, you know, they, they come from different occupations, but they have this little breakfast meeting area. And now perhaps you've seen this too, if, you know, while on the way to work, when we used to go to, to work, uh, you stop in at McDonald's or Tim Hortons, you know, who do you see there at 7.30 or 8 o'clock in the morning? It's retirees sitting, having a coffee and doing the socialization. And you know, it's, it's funny. We all have needs to, to be social and we, and we get that when we're working or social, right. Uh, uh, with other staff members, et cetera. But when you retire, you're, you're often cut off from that world. So that's why you see so many retirees at coffee shops. And I, I hate really to think about, you know, right now what's going on. It's, it's very sad for both people who are in the food industry and people who used to socialize a lot, but I'm sure at some point in time, we'll get back to that. 
All right, Robin. So how do you recommend that our listeners proceed from here? Well, by, by accepting first that, you know, you've got quite a bit of time to fail in retirement and by accepting the fact that retirement is, it's not a permanent holiday. This is not your holiday. This will be a new lifestyle. You can still go on holidays when you retire. And by also realizing that you may need to reinvent yourself just a little bit. After all, you're no longer a, insert your job title. And if you've been a dedicated lifelong learner, as many education professionals have been, regardless of your job title, the learning doesn't have to stop. Lastly, start enjoying and experimenting with these new hobbies and pastimes now. I can't repeat that uh, often enough. Slowly build them into your life so you retire to something, not from something. All right. So I've identified what I like and I'm starting to integrate it into my lifestyle now pre-retirement. How will I know if I've succeeded when I'm retired? Uh huh. Only one question will count once you retire. And that is, are you having fun? You'll never know. What, <laughs> you'll never know what life th- throws you, however. And hopefully you have your health. For without that, you know, obviously little else matters. Odds are that the life expectancy tables will be good to you as most will spend many or even more years in retirement than they did in their formal working career. But don't be afraid to be ambitious in your retirement. Be adventurous, be creative as you redefine the new you. You've earned it. And And you never know what's going to pop up. You just don't know. It could be totally unexpected. Now, you know, I, I hope this discussion on retirement lifestyle planning has helped to plant a few, just a few seeds and motivate you to start planning your new life in retirement now rather than later. Life in retirement can be very rewarding, but anything, like anything else, requires a little planning. All right, Robin. So I want to know, what are you going to do when you retire? Oh, Andrea, I was afraid you were going to ask me that question. Well, you know, it's, it's funny, uh, myself, like everyone else, we've had a, you know, some time on our hands. Unfortunately, I did have a list of things to do around the house when I retire. Um, now all those things are done. So I have to, I guess, apply my own advice here and start making new lists and uh, I'll be getting to that. Yeah, I can honestly say that the joke around here is that I'll be crocheting and knitting a lot in retirement because I recently picked it up. And although I'm not going to be retired probably for another 17 to 20 years, uh, I will be a pro at knitting and crocheting. It's a joke in this house that I am just warming up. (laughs) Uh Well, thank you for that, Robin. I think, like you said, you know, everything requires a little planning. And you've also mentioned a few good things about, you know, people in retirement, looking at more leisures and golf, et cetera. And I think at this time, it's probably a good time to introduce Ingrid Schiller, who is the manager of our Advantage program. So Ingrid, welcome to the show. So Ingrid, can you give us an overview of the Advantage program, please? Thanks, George. Yes, absolutely. Advantage is a great discount program provided to over 350,000 members in Ontario by OTIP. Through Advantage, members receive exclusive discounts on products and services in categories such as travel, health and fitness, entertainment, and shopping. And these are just to name a few. 
And the partners that participate in the program range from big name national brands to small boutique businesses offering a variety of online and in-store savings. In addition to regular discounts through the program, sometimes our partners offer a limited time promotions and these are communicated to our members through our Advantage website, emails and social media channels. Our members also have an exclusive access to Advantage events and great contests as well. For example, in the past, we have given away uh, prizes such as trips to Europe, cruises, event tickets, and more. And currently, we are running a Facebook contest, a subscribe to win contest, as well as a bucket list contest. We are always giving away something, George. So members, don't forget to try your luck and enter today. So as a member, how do I know if I'm eligible to participate in the program? Good question. If a member has an Advantage card, they have access to the program immediately. However, for members that aren't sure if they have access to Advantage, they should contact their group association or union to confirm if they're eligible and request their card. And what's the best way to explore all of the savings opportunities? The best way is to simply visit the Advantage website, which is advantage.ca. On our website, the members can familiarize themselves with the program, browse our product and services categories, and also see the participating partners along with their offers. And even a better way to stay up to date on discounts and new partners is to subscribe to our deal alerts right on the homepage at advantage.ca. That way they won't miss out on special offers, events, or contests. We also have an Advantage Facebook page. It is another fun and convenient way to stay connected with us. So can you tell me if I have to wait till I retire to use Advantage? Absolutely not. There is really no need to wait until retirement to start saving with the Advantage program. As long as the members group participates in the program and the member has a card, they can start enjoying the savings pretty much immediately. Okay, that's great. So can my family members take part? Yes, for sure. Family members can also take part and enjoy the Advantage benefits, although some partners may have certain conditions, and these can be found on the partners page on the advantage.ca website. Can I still use Advantage after retirement? And can my family members take part? That's a great question, George. Yes, as long as a member signs up for a retiree health, dental, and travel policy with OTIP, they will enjoy the benefits and discounts of Advantage. In retirement, you want to make sure your money travels as far as you do. So Advantage program, this is a really great way to save on travel, gym memberships, and many other products and services retirees need and want. I would like to thank all three of you and also our listeners for tuning in. And before we sign off, I would also like to remind everyone that OTIP is offering our workshops online. So please visit our website at www.otip.com or call into our Life and Living Benefits line at 1-800-267-6847 if you have any questions. And as always, if you have any questions or comments concerning this podcast, please contact us at otipevents at otip.com. Thank you and goodbye.